You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, and getting more out of your life, this is the show for you. If you want more on building optimal performance, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. and Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncie. And today we have a special co-host, Natural Stack's own Dr. Matt Bergeson. Matt, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, thanks. It's nice to be here. I'm excited. You know, I'm just here and Excited to talk about nutrition and natural stacks. You know, it's one of my passions, and I really get excited about it. So, looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. for our listeners, um, Dr. Matt is a chiropractor who has worked with NASA. You've trained some people to go into space. Um, you know, you have an incredible knowledge, as you just mentioned, on, on protein, lots of recovery stuff. So, we're going to talk about a lot of really cool stuff today. But going forward, Dr. Matt is going to be an authority that we have come on the show uh, every month or so to help us dig into the science a little bit more. Um, so if you guys, as you listen, if you have questions for Dr. Matt, send them in, post them as comments um, on the, the blog version with the show notes, or you can email them to us. Um, and that's a great time for us to remind you that with every episode, show notes will be available at optimalperformance.com. Um, and as always, we love your five-star review. So head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star love and let us know how much you like the show. All right. So for today, before we get rolling, we got to go fact of the day. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the benefits of whey protein. Um, one of the uh, ingredients or compounds that is in whey protein is lactoferrin. And lactoferrin actually improves bone healing and prevents bone loss. So when you hear whey protein being associated with, with uh, improving bone healing and preventing bone loss, that is the lactoferrin that's doing that. Lactoferrin also has been shown along with the glutathione synthesis that whey protein promotes to have anti-cancer effects. Lactoferrin uh, has also shown potential to prevent cancer that has yet to occur and to induce cell death in existing cancer cells. So we're not saying that our protein cures cancer, but one of the compounds in it has been shown to help with that in the lab. So there's yet another reason to supplement with whey protein if you are struggling to get enough protein in your diet. All right, Dr. Matt, let's get right into this. Uh, you're, we're calling you Dr. Matt. You're a chiropractor. How did you get into chiropractic? So I've basically been in it pretty much my whole life. My dad's been a chiropractor for about 25 years, and now there's about eight in our family. You know, I even have a brother that's attending chiropractic school. So it's almost in the genetics at this point, you know. So uh, hopefully it'll continue that way. I have a family of my own, so I'm always educating them on how to stay healthy, what we can do uh, nutritionally as a family, you know, because it is a lifestyle. So, um, But yeah, I mean, that's where I established a good understanding of natural care, you know, and um, so I would say my father brought me into that, but then I wanted to experience that on my own. So before becoming a chiropractor or a doctor, I decided that I would attend massage therapy school, you know, and I did that a quick uh, summer course and became a massage therapist. I've been one for 10 years now. So that's how I originally got into uh, natural care. Okay. And so I started, I built a business, I had a good clientele and I continued, uh, managing a spa along with 
my massage business and that's it grew and I was able to continue that throughout chiropractic school, which was nice. You know, I was able to keep a job on the weekends while I was in chiropractic school. So I was really applying what I was learning. Right. Um, with that being said, I opened the door for other things. I was able to take on a job over at uh, the Gilroot Center. Um, that's the NASA uh, Fitness Center. So that's where all the engineers will go uh, for fitness training, all the astronauts, their whole staff. Um, and that's how I began working with NASA. So I worked there for about three years, uh, all through chiropractic school as well. And I got to see a lot of um, different things that you might not see in a normal practice, you know. Uh, if you're working on like astronauts or engineers or the, I mean, they're highly intelligent to say the least. <laughs> right. So you better know your science, you know, because <laughs> right. they're smart you for sure. But, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of them are going to need care more in a little, they have a different care program than your normal patient. You know, if they've been to space, you'll see that a lot of them will have bone or muscle wasting. Um, that's just because the proprioception of the body when you go into space is lost, you know, so the natural ability for your body to recognize where your arm is right now, you don't have that capability in space. So that neurotransmission and the nervous system and how it recognizes it through the vestibular system is lost. So that has to be re-educated. And we know that, you know, the only way to build bone is by stressing it. And so you lose that ability when you go to space or um, you the same thing with muscles, you know, you start wasting those muscles because you won't be able to stress them like you can, you know, they try to do things there. You've seen them probably running on the treadmills, um, but it's just not the same, you know, whenever you take out. So when they come back, what have you found to be the most effective way to, to quickly regain what has been lost in terms of muscle or, or bone wasting? So it's a good, a good question that you have there. Um, you can't just say that there's like one, silver bullet, I guess, that would resolve that because there really isn't, you know, it's a dynamic where you have to include a lot of nutrition. Um, You know, if you're dealing with muscle wasting, then we know the proteins are going to be one of the most satisfactory things. Same thing with branched-chain amino acids. That's going to be another really important thing. But you're also going to have to, you can't just go in the gym and start lifting all these heavy weights. You know, it's starting as if you were a toddler just using your body weight. See what I'm saying? Because if you're, when you get taken out of this gravity and you don't have that force holding against you, then that's enough whenever you come back. <laughs> right. So, so how much how much strength and muscle mass, bone density are we talking about being lost? Is, is it that significant? It can be a significant amount. You know, um, there was a Russian astronaut that was in space, I think the longest for about 450 days or so. Okay. And year you re-educate the nervous system and the muscles back to just a normal state of strength you see so and that's a long time and you might see like in movies or something like they'll talk about um how space will age you and like things like that so it really does you know and not having those that stress to build that bone or the stress to build those those muscles it can really be i mean damaging long term but so I guess uh, what I'm kind of digging for is, you know, if, if going to space is almost like an aging effect um, sped up, and then when they return, if we're, if we're able to either turn back the clock or, or reverse those effects, what are these astronauts doing that the everyday person here, you know, on Earth can replicate or, or implement in, the, in our lives to either slow down aging or to reverse that process? 
That's a good question. So, yeah, the aging factor um, is going to be sped up with them for sure. You know, and so now is that is that simply because of less gravity, or is it you know uh, greater exposure to radiation, or you know not being protected by the ozone? All that would be a combination. Right. It's the same thing here. You know, we are we are going to be we're put in an environment where we're exposed to radiation as well. You know, the constant use of cell phones, TVs, you know, you're always having a wireless feed coming to your body, you know, and so finding ways to protect that from happening are very important. So whatever you do, earthing, whatever we may do, um, they take on a more abundance of that in space, obviously, you know, because it's just like living, imagine if you live in a satellite, you know, (laughs) imagine what that would do to your hormones or like, you know, damaging a lot of the vestibular system, and that's what happens. So, um, I think for us, it's important to recognize that, to take that downtime and be away from those things as well. Um, but then, what can we do here other than just staying away from that? Well, nutrition is going to be an absolute must. You know, antioxidants are very important for the body. The type of proteins we're taking in, ones that haven't been uh, damaged or manufactured in a way that would do more harm to the body than benefit. Um, but antioxidants are a big thing for aging, the diet, how we are uh, keeping our gut ecologies, you know, if we're using the prebiotics or probiotic, how are we feeding these bacteria so the body is not aging? So, this, I mean, not to mention a lot of the foods that we consume, if they're highly cooked, they can be damaging long-term as well. So. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What's going on with high heat cooking that, that's going to make what would be an otherwise healthy food damaging? So if you take like a vegetable, for example, it's a living form, you know, and a lot of people will say, well, I'm going to boil my vegetables or I'm going to cook them. You know that your certain things can only withstand a certain temperature, certain vegetables or fruits or oils. And so something that was once living you're 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 killing it basically by heating it. It's the same thing with any nutritional product that you take, um, anything that you cook. So I try to eat raw, you know, like as much as I can, just because uh, damaging a nutrient and then consuming it, it'll have some benefit. But if you really want the full benefit of that nutrient, try to not try not to heat it. Use more of a warming plate, you know, or, or a fermenting. You can ferment it and then warm it, you know. So those are kind of what I use to get around um, how you're heating my food. Hopefully that makes sense. So when most people hear stuff like that, they're going to, or, or a recommendation like that, automatically we're going to think about vegetables. Uh, but what do you do for meat? So if you had a, a beautiful steak in front of you, how would you cook that? Well, that's a good question. So there's, um, I would keep it, I would, I mean, some people will just turn it once every, for two minutes on each side. And they would suggest that's the best way to consume it because let me bring up an example. Okay. So I know somebody that really likes to charcoal their meat, you know? And so by the end of that, you're consuming things that are more damaging and can cause aging because after a buildup of that, you're basically taking in cancerous nutrients. You see what I'm saying? Right. Right. So if you were to undercook it more of like searing steak, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're going to have more benefit. And it's hard for people to understand that. Right. I mean, I, in this argument with my dad every day, and he's a doctor. <laughs> right. So, so uh, I, I think there's certain meats I'll stay away from. You know, some of the cleaner ones are going to be like lambs and stuff. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think the general rule of thumb is if you're going to cook your food, cook it as gently as you can get away with. 
right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of herbs and seasonings that we can use that will actually mitigate some of those carcinogenic effects. So if you are going to grill or expose your meat to really high temperatures, rosemary is a great flavoring, but it also absorbs a lot of those carcinogens. So it's going to uh, reduce that negative impact um, if you are putting a char uh, on your meat. But you definitely want to stay away from uh, you know cooking it until it's a hockey puck. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It doesn't taste as good either. No, no. <laughs> Um, so now that's if we're eating animal flesh. So what about like protein products? You mentioned, um, you know, we don't want to heat things to the point of killing bioavailability. Uh, let's use our protein. For example, the natural sex protein is a two to one blend of, of whey and collagen. There's also colostrum in there. Um, you know, that colostrum is something that we is incredibly sensitive. So yeah, let's talk about, I guess, two ends of this as, as the products, as protein powders are manufactured, what are some things that, that we want to make sure happen or don't happen, but also, you know, can you, can you cook? There's a lot of recipes out there where people are making baked goods with protein powders. Is that going to negatively impact, um, a high quality protein? Yeah, that's a good question. So I always have a general rule of thumb when it comes to any type of supplements, you know, um, I try to focus on, you can, we can diagram all the different proteins, but manufacturing is one of the key things when you're looking at purchasing a new supplement, okay? And so the way things are manufactured and what is actually on the back of the label can kind of show you how they were manufactured. So if you see, like with the protein, for example, a lot of times you'll see a protein label that will list like 15 different other ingredients, and a lot of them you can barely pronounce if you're not, if you've never really studied them, you know? So you're kind of like, well, they're not going to put anything in here that would be damaging to me. I mean, it would just... It, it, you would want to you want to be educated on it. So, but a lot of those ingredients we call excipients, you know. And you want to know that if you're taking protein long term, the same protein with a lot of those ingredients, it can create chronic illness in the body and chronic inflammation. And that's where you'll see a lot of these ir irritable bowel, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, a lot of things that will cause inflammation in the gut because this protein is hard for the body to digest because it's been so it's either been highly heated or it's been over manufactured, it'll actually sit there in the gut. And so then you'll have to take some type of magnesium or something that will help clear that out. Okay. Right. So yeah, I mean, the way supplements are, are being manufactured is a concern, you know, and it, it can kind of bring a bad taste into the supplement industry, you know, and so you definitely want to know that whenever you see that long list of 12 different, uh, excipients or it has all these magnesium uh, this and magnesium this or whatever it may be, make sure you're educated on those. You know, you can call us, you can send us an email and we'll be able to help you through those. So, but like the collagen combination with colostrum is going to be, it's a unique product. You know, usually with most products, you'll have to go out and buy those individually. They're very, I don't know of another product that contains the weight the collagen and the colostrum, those three. And so here you have the building blocks of the immune, immune system with the colostrum. So you get those really good immunoglobulins. Um, and the only way you can get that is from cows that have conceived within the first three days, you know. And so the good thing is that these are grass-fed cows. So we're talking about cows that live in a good environment. Um, they're eating on clean soils, and they're able to produce young livestock, um, it shows you the, the high density of these immunoglobulins that will be in the colostrum, okay? And then secondly, collagen. Now, collagen, you know, is a connective tissue. Mm -hmm. So if we can uh, supplement the body with 
the protein, which builds the muscle, and then we have the tendons and the ligaments that actually attach to the bone from the muscle that we can get in all one product, which is the collagen that will make up those tendons and ligaments. I mean, we're building the immune system, we're building the muscular system, we're building all the connective tissue all in one product. I mean, there's really, I would say, try to find something better than that. <laughs> so, okay. But uh, it's hard to find, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's why I really love the protein by Natural Stacks. Um, I really hammer it home with a lot of the physicians that I'm working with, and the yeah. practitioners, and um, it really makes sense to them. You know, colostrum in the 70s became really big as a really good post-workout supplement. And so then it kind of went silent. But uh, now there's a lot of research pointing towards the benefits of colostrum and recovery and how it can really uh, not only build the muscle, but build the immune system at the same time. So you ever have those tough workouts where you're just exhausted? Well, you're doing that consistently, you know? you're putting a damper on the immune system. So you can combine the colostrum with the protein and get a really great recovery. So. Yeah. I know a lot of our listeners are, are interested in optimal performance, you know, on a, on a holistic approach, you know, the entire, the body as a system. But even for somebody who's purely interested in muscle, you know, is somebody more towards that bodybuilder into the spectrum, you have to realize that if your body, it's, it's smart, it's, it's not dumb and it's not just going to force on muscle. If your body isn't functionally, functioning optimally, if you're not healthy, if your immune system is compromised, your body is not going to lay down new tissue. You are not going to put on mass or size if you're not functioning, you know, the Absolutely. way you should. So, yeah. so even if you're purely interested in muscle mass, you need to make sure that you're healthy and, and that you have the foundation in place for your body to want to or be able to put on more muscle mass. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. Let's go back a minute. And you were talking about a couple of different processing types. So if, if somebody were looking at the labels and, and trying to figure out what's, what's the best way uh, for a protein to be processed, you know, I think off the top of my head, I can think of seeing like ion exchange or cold filtered or, uh, or even if we got into like whey concentrate versus whey isolate, what are, what are those differences? Yeah. I mean, I'll get questions about like including whey with the casein or whey with, uh, I mean, whatever it may be. I think whey, it won't work as well by itself from what I've seen because it will remain stagnant in the gut. And it won't move very well through peristalsis because it'll be really heavy and be more dense. So you'll get a better absorption rate when you combine the collagen or the colostrum, which is recognized as more of the food. And when you're taking it at these high doses where I'll see, I've seen brands that say they're 60 grams per serving. Well, your body can't absorb all that. You know, you're probably going to only absorb a third of that. So a lower dose protein is better to take, um, just because the body can slowly absorb it, you know? And so that's kind of some of the best things I could recommend. Now, as far as the manufacturing process of it, I always, my main concern with anything is heat, you know, because heat kills anything. So if you're putting your supplements even on your windowsill where the sun can hit them, you're killing them. Or leaving them in the back of your car. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and people will do that, you know, it's more convenient. I'll take my pre-workout or whatever, right? before walking to the gym. Well, who knows what that powder even is now, you know? And so it changes the structure of anything heat will. And so if something's been highly heated um, as a protein, it will damage it, you know? And so damaged proteins in the body um, can be harmful over time. So I'll, that will, that's being like micro filtered and having all those aspects as well. You know, sometimes you do get concerned about that, but 
in some processes it is necessary because where they're getting that protein is probably not a very good source. Right. So if you're getting a good source, you're, you wouldn't have to do that as much. Well, and I want to go back to the, the very first part of your answer there where you're talking about you don't necessarily need the high quantities of protein. We've had expert after expert has come on our show and, and said that in terms of protein needs, it's going to be on the low end about 0.5 grams per pound of body weight. And on the high end, we've, we've had anywhere from 0.7 to, to one gram per pound of body weight. And, you know, that's much lower than the bodybuilding niche uh, yeah. or crowd would say. And, and I think most of those products that you mentioned where it's 60 grams of protein per serving, I, I think most of those come from that bodybuilding world where they're just trying to, to pound in tons and tons of low quality protein. And if this yeah. is truly one of those things where quality is, is more important than quantity. And if you're getting high quality protein, grass fed, pasture raised, wild caught, uh, animal flesh and, and supplementing with, you know, really high quality protein powders when needed, you know, yeah, it, that, that lower amount is fine as long as it's high quality and, and you're, you're going to hit those needs that, like we said, our experts are telling us that that's what, that's all we need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would agree. Um, a good point too, you know, people will ask about taking like branched-chain amino acids along with their protein. Um, so a little bit about branched-chain amino acids. So these are essential amino acids. And so they, it's always a debate, especially in the bodybuilding world, like you bring up, are branched-chain amino acids useful? Should I be taking those if I'm already taking the protein? You know, and I have different recommendations on how to take branched-chain amino acids. Um, since leucine, you know, one of the branched-chain amino acids is the most abundant in the muscle, yeah, it's absolutely necessary if you're doing high-intensity workouts, okay? And um, they have a lot of different benefits. But the thing that I've noticed, and this is why Natural Stacks, for example, has blended the branched-chain amino acids with beta-alanine, okay? So beta-alanine is a precursor for carnosine. So carnosine has the effect of glycation in the body. So glycation is when um, proteins will attach to carbohydrates or they can attach to glucose, okay? And so what happens when these proteins will attach to glucose, for example, if we're taking a branched-chain amino acid and it attaches to a glucose, the, it can become really, um, it's, it won't lose its capability of being really strong in the body, okay? It becomes weak. And um, there's different ways to kind of take that. Some people use it as a weight loss way because you're attaching glucose to the branched-chain amino acids which can help metabolize glucose and you can lose weight that way, you know, but if you're trying to build muscle, you're going to want to attach proteins to other proteins, right? Or you're going to want to attach them to carbs. So you have a strong protein in the body. And so carnosine, or in this case, beta alanine has the ability to help those proteins attach uh, where they need to. Okay. So that's where, in my opinion, the branched chain amino acids can get a bad rap because they don't have the synergists that make them available in the body, okay? So I think it's very important. You know, a lot of research will talk about timing of protein, how to take it, you know, and um, I suggest, yeah, it is, it is shown to take it during workout. <laughs> right. And so you don't always want to drink a heavy protein drink, but just drinking, just taking the branched chain amino acids by themselves during workout is my recommendation. Okay, that was going to be my question because you had mentioned that your, your use was a little bit different than other people, so I was going to ask you that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, just because it's the same effect with when you have those proteins available in the body right away when you need them, you'll be able to make better use of them right away, and you'll have a better recovery. Okay. So, since you're in a catabolic state, if you're lifting weights or working out, and the body is t 
carrying muscle fibers to make more, well, it has to work at a molecular level to grab on more proteins. So if you can do that, why are you working out? You have better results. Right. No, this is something that we actually had this discussion uh, previously, but it ties in here where we talked about with supplements, specifically pills, that a, yeah. a capsule like the BCAAs from Natural Stacks is a little bit better um, because it, it, better, I guess, compared to like, quality, like, right? like a like a like a pressed um, pill or instead of a capsule. So we're, we're using less heat to have to process it, less pressure to have to form that that pill. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, um, you know, I'm not a tablet person because right. tablets they you have to use thousands of pounds of pressure to create a tablet. And the only way to create that tablet is by heating those nutrients to soften it, to make it. Okay. So you heat the nutrients, you damage them. And then imagine if I were to use thousands of pounds of pressure on a vegetable, like what would be left of it? So same effect to create those tablets. And so by the end of it, you take in that tablet and it's a hard tablet. How is it going to be absorbed? Is it going to absorb too quickly? Is it going to absorb too long to where it just flushes out of the system? You know, it's really hard to gauge that, and I just, I always recommend vegetable capsules, you know, so the body can break down the vegetable capsule slowly in the GI, and then you get full absorption of um, the nutrients that are in there. So, you don't have to heat the nutrient, you, you don't have to pound the nutrient, it's just encapsulated. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and, and before we do that, I, I want to throw in a, a question for you personally. Um you mentioned growing up in a house with, you know, you now have eight chiropractors in the family. Your, your father was a chiropractor. I guess yeah. I'm assuming you grew up in a pretty healthy house. What was your, yeah. what was it like to grow up eating healthy? Well, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, as a kid, were you drinking all the sodas or you guys probably didn't eat out like the average family? Yeah. You know, if we did, we were always taking a vitamin to kind of counteract <laughs> what we had eaten if we ever ate out. But, you know, I was blessed in that, in that way. Uh, my dad was actually growing up on a farm, and so he was used to getting really good uh, fresh raw vegetables. You know, they raised a lot of potatoes, corn, things like that. Right. And he was the only one that actually left the farm. We still have it, and he became a doctor. Right. Um, but yeah, it was always a debate on. We have different conversations at the dinner table than probably any other family. <laughs> like, well, you're not supposed to eat this because it does this. <laughs> you know, so it was one of those things. That being being so exposed to that and growing up in that environment, you know, it, it definitely set you up to be a, a healthy adult and, and instill some habits in you. And uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And I guess yeah, that's something. Yeah, that to my family. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm, I'm married with the family and now it's my wife is stricter than me. And I feel like <laughs> I felt made her that way. I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> okay. So where but, you, uh, it's been good, you know, with the way the American diet has changed so much. Um, we really need people out there preaching um, and educating those that just don't know. You know, it's not that um, they don't want to do good, but they just need to educate. We're, we're not taught how to feed ourselves. That's not in our education program here. It, yeah. most, most of the correct and, and best information is, is coming from sources like us and, and, you know, sources outside of mainstream education and mainstream media, unfortunately. Yeah. No, exactly. It's uh, they're being hammered pretty hard with advertisement, you know, and it's what they see in front of them. But the effects of what will happen later in their life can be um, chronically damaging, or you know, it can cause you to age. And I think that's one of the biggest aging factors is the food that we're consuming. So, um, since the food that 
that is available to us isn't always at the highest quality that we would like, mm-hmm. supplementation is very important, you know? And so um, getting in quality protein like you would like in the early 1900s is not the same today um, as we would like it to be. You, so, you certainly have to look a whole lot harder and, and put a whole lot more effort into acquiring that than you did back then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's say, you know, where you always heard, I was talking to somebody this week, this, this study from the 40s on how spinach, you have to eat, to get one bowl of spinach in the 40s, you have to eat like 60 or something crazy. So that's yes. an idea. So for, for people listening who may not be familiar with that, tell us, explain why that is now. There's different factors, you know. Um, the way things are harvested is one of them. Are they, um, how are they treating the crops, you know? Over time, it's the same thing. With us, as we adapt to our environment, how is how are humans adapting to their environment, and how are the crops and the and the nutrients that are available to us? How are they adapting? And some of them cannot adapt to the environment and the way things are processed, whether using pesticides or they're genetically modified, um, whatever it may be, you know, or the way the crops are rotated from land to land, it might not have the soil density that we want to create a really nutritious energy. Because that's what we're feeding our body, right? The energy. Yes. So, um, but that's my opinion. Yeah, you know? and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the science is out there. There's a lot of people talking about changing our, our farming structure and systems so that, you know, like you said, I mean, the whole, the thing that makes the vegetables and produce so beneficial is all the nutrients, you know, from the soil. And if we're getting them from low quality soil and we're covering them in chemicals and pesticides, well, great, you're eating produce, but you're getting more chemicals, more hormone disruptors and fewer nutrients than, than ever before. So is it really that good? And I think that's why, again, quality of what you put in your body is, is of the utmost importance. And, um, you know, you definitely yeah. want to pay attention to whether it's protein, protein powder, animal flesh or, or produce, where's it coming from? How is it grown or produced? Exactly. So I agree with you right there. You know, you're taking in these pesticides, things like that. Well, these aflatoxins are created, you know, and these microtoxins in the body. And so when you've been consuming the same thing that contains where you're picking up these aflatoxins and microtoxins in the body, in my opinion, that's what creates a lot of these autoimmune responses, you know, because their cell receptors cannot work at a high capacity when they're constantly being damaged, you know. And so really changing the way we eat, changing nutrients we're consuming and being educated on supplements it can really change your life. So. Well, and I think you, you just, as you're speaking, I, I have this, this analogy just kind of came into my head. I mean, for our listeners, I mean, it's like it, we mentioned it earlier. If you want to put on muscle mass, you have to make sure your immune system is, is functioning correctly. If you want to function optimally, if you want to be at your best, you can't constantly be putting out fires. You do think about like yourself and your to-do list and your, your productivity. If you constantly have to, you know, change a diaper or put out some fire, answer a phone call, do this, then it's really hard to do those high value activities or, or whatever it is that you actually want to get accomplished. And it's the same thing for your body. If you're constantly fending off, you know, chemicals, pesticides, toxins, whatever, then, you know, how can you expect your body to, you know, be concerned with burning fat or building muscle or, yeah. you know, setting PRs, whatever it may be. So. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, you, the use of uh, changing your life, changing your lifestyle uh, and focusing it on your health uh, along, I mean, it's a big responsibility, but you can do it, you know, and you'll see a great benefit in doing that. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap this up, 
we got to talk one more anti-aging thing. And I know this one is uh, something that you also have a lot of knowledge on. And this is kind of a, uh, a hot topic in anti-aging or recovery. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about deer antler velvet. Okay. Does it work? Is it a scam? Talk to our listeners about it. I knew I'd get this question. <laughs> so, I mean, deer antler, it was kind of, it became really big a few years back whenever a football player had used it. And he had claimed that that's how he recovered from a major injury, you know, he was able to return to the plane. <clears throat> and so from there, everybody gravitated to, to making a product really quickly um, of the deer antler. And so the way deer antler works is it works a lot with growth factors. So it has uh, the insulin-like growth factor, which can help in recovery of the cells. Um, it also is beneficial for fibroblasts, chondrocytes. You know, those are cartilage-building cells, uh, the muscle-building cells. And so with all that being said, you understand if you can activate those cells, um, then you can have a smooth recovery, then you can have muscle mass built. You know, if chondrocytes build the cartilage, that's ligaments and connective tissue, well, that can speed a recovery. So if this product really can do that, the durant other can really do that, then why aren't we all taking it? <laughs> but my opinion... You know, so the cleanest source of deer antler comes from New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand red deer antler. Um, and the way it's harvested, there's different ways. They'll use an anesthetic to put the deer down and then they'll cut the antler. That way they can use a shocking method, actually knocking the deer out and then cutting or clipping the antlers that way as well. Um, you know, either way, the antlers are shed annually, naturally, but now it's become a harvesting um, thing in the supplement industry where people actually harvest the deers just for this benefit. So my main concern is when you look at these deer antler sprays or capsules or liquids, sometimes deer antlers not even on the bottle, you know, or if it is on there, it's at like a really low dose, maybe a milligram or two. For the body to actually benefit in the use of deer antler, you need to take almost 500 times that amount. <laughs> so, the majority ingredient will be something else, you know, like a tribulus, uh, like the medium or niacin, something like that, to where you actually feel effects, like, oh, this is working. Right. It's not the deer antler usually, so you could be taking something that is not benefiting you. It right. could be doing more harm. And so it also has a claim of helping uh, growth hormone levels. So it can at a, at a certain dose, but I honestly think this is a fad that people aren't educated on. Um, and... It's almost as, it's, I don't recommend it. So. Gotcha. Well, I know, uh, just to clarify a couple of points on that, this is not a future of natural stacks product. It was just a, uh, <laughs> it was a conversation that came up in passing and we wanted to make sure we put it on the podcast because it is something that a lot of people are asking about. A lot of people are interested in. Um, yeah. and as you mentioned, you know, deer do shed their antlers annually when they begin to grow back, they are covered in a, a soft, fuzzy outer coating and that's actually the velvet and that's what's harvested. Yeah. That velvet is the fastest growing tissue on the planet. So in theory, as you said, it is, uh, it's very rich and very dense in those insulin-like growth factors, growth hormones, uh, and all those other things that can benefit uh, regeneration and, and tissue growth, because that's exactly what they're doing for the deer. Um, so I think, yeah. like you said, in theory, you know, if, if we could, it's 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 the it's the epitome of trying to catch lightning in a bottle, right? <laughs> you know, basically. Can, I mean, the thing is, too, whenever it's manufactured, it has to be brought usually across the world. They're getting it here in the U.S., and you have to maintain the activity of the velvet. You know, right? And so the way it's kept within that month's process, you have about 30 days um, from the time they're clipped and where the act of the velvet remains active, okay? 
So we'll use like freeze drying techniques to keep them active, but by that time, how much of it is really active in the body when it's sitting in a bottle in a store or wherever you may purchase it, it's not going to be that much in my opinion. So. Yeah, and so again, it's it's kind of a cautionary tale. If you're going to take a supplement, let's let's really look into it. Make sure that whatever you think you're taking, let's make sure that that is in fact what's in there. That it's in an amount that's going to be beneficial. That it's you know been processed in a way that you're getting what you think you're getting. Exactly. Yeah, and that should always be a concern with anything you take. You know, and some of us have to learn that the hard way. You know, I've had to, but uh, you know, but you can understand that not everything is presented uh, how it should be. So, and that's, I tell everybody that I come into contact with, if, if they're asking me about a supplement, it's, you know, don't read the front of the package, don't read the hype, turn right around to the back, read the ingredients. And, you know, if you can educate yourself on how the body works, what you're trying to accomplish, simply reading the ingredient list will tell you whether or not this is something that's going to help you. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a major concern. So nowadays, um, they're hammering down on the labels of what things say, they're testing products. Uh, just to make sure everything that is listed in the ingredients is actually in the, the product. So just make sure that you know you're working with a trusted supplier. Yeah. All right. So, Dr. Matt, before we let you go, um, if people have questions for you on a future episode uh, or just any other questions, if they want to get more from you, where can they find you? So you can call me. Uh, my number is 737-704-1983. But... Uh, you can always email me. It's just Matthew at naturalstacks.com and I'll be willing to, I'll get to you within really quick that same day or within a couple hours for sure. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. I look forward to speaking with anybody. I mean, call them. We'll talk about anything. You know, if you got a patient you need help with or a friend or whatever it may be. All right. So now it's time for your top three tips. So we want to know what a chiropractor who has worked with astronauts and NASA, if you could tell our listeners their your top three tips for them to live optimal. What do you got? So my number one is to stay active. You know, the body has to move. It was built to move. And I always tell people you need to stay active. Of course, um, but just stay active, move. <laughs> so move. Okay. Number two would be evaluate what you're eating. You know, because um, this is the energy that feeds your body. This is what makes you who you are physically. You know, and so we want, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be able to perform. I want your brain to work at its highest capacity and your heart to function for you able to exercise. Um, so uh, evaluate what you're eating. Don't just eat something to keep you full. Okay. And um, number three, well, I would just say that's a, you got me on that one. Let me, let me think about it. But um, I mean, I would just recommend that continue your education, you know, so educate yourself on things that interest you, but mainly about your body. So be educated. You know, and the, the best advice I ever got was uh, the day I graduated chiropractic school, and I was told by the professor that was speaking that you're a doctor now. So now is when the real learning begins, you know. So I don't put myself on a pedestal. That's why I'm open to talking to anybody, you know. And doctor actually means teacher. So I'm learning all the time. I'm being educated, but if I can teach you something, I'll try to do my best. But if you can teach me something and educate me, please do it. So that would be my third recommendation to stay educated. I like that one a lot. Nobody said anything like that yet. So, All right, good. <laughs> so, all right. 
Dr. Matt, thanks for hanging out with us today. Listeners, thank you guys for hanging out. Um, That's it for this episode. As always, uh, you can catch the show notes in the video version at optimalperformance.com. And make sure you head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Show us some love. Tell us how much you like the podcast. And until next Thursday, talk to you then. Get out with